1: EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPL Roundtable at gmail.com.
2: Hi there it's uh, Joshy here uh, at doc underscore Joshy on Twitter. Uh, Manchester United fan thank you for having me on.
0: Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor and founder of theeaglesbeak.com, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. You can get us on Twitter at theeaglesbeak. And I'm also host of the Meridian Sports Show, which is a local community radio show covering all sports. And you can get us online as well. So you can catch us on Twitter at the Meridian SS.
1: All right. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, Josh, it's been a lot of cup matches. Uh, for Manchester United uh, in the past week or so. Why don't you just kind of talk us through the week that has been for Manchester United?
2: Yeah, it's it's been quite, I think, uh, given that it's, um, well, early Jan or late Jan, it's been quite an eventful week. Um, Rooney obviously broke the goal-scoring record. I think that's probably what took the headlines for the best part of the week. Mm. Um, Last-minute free kick uh, got the equaliser. So, you know, in, in the context of the match, obviously quite nice, but in the overall context of the of the of the season, a, a similar result to what we've had in the past, where we've dominated the game and, and not really got the goal. And then um, yeah, a midweek against Hull, second leg, semi-final. Uh, at the end of the day, we we're we're in we're in the final now. It wasn't a great performance at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um so uh but but obviously the final is the most important thing. And and then we had today's result, uh, which was nice, comfortable, in the end, comfortable, uh, 4-0 win. There's other things been going on as well. Obviously, uh, Jose's had a few things to say about Anthony Marshall. Um, he's also um, made a few comments about certain players are leaving, etc. I think we're going to discuss that later on, so I'll, I'll leave it till then. Um so, yeah, all in all, it's been, I mean, we've made it to the final of the uh, League Cup, next round of the FA Cup, and, and obviously chasing down the to- a top four position in the league. So, you know, we're still there or thereabouts at the moment.
1: Yeah, Um I'm interested to talk a little bit about Anthony Martial because he looked great today. He's kind of been in and out of the side. Do you think he's going to mainly be your left quote-unquote winger down the stretch? Or do you think we're going to keep seeing this kind of interchanging style that you've been using?
2: Well, I think, um, well, first of all, you know, in that left-hand side, uh, you know, Jose Mourinho said we've got lots of players that can play there. But actually, um, you know, I think Anthony Martial is the best player in that position. Yes, he's not been as good as he was last time around but at the same time he's not really getting that run of games he may be feeling the pressure a little bit he's had some off field issues but he it looks like he's starting to put those things behind him and and certainly today um he, once he moved out to that wide left position he looked a lot more comfortable there was a lot more threat to him and um was one of our best players um i think moving forward jose you know he's got a good history of his in terms of man management uh, people will argue that he hasn't got the greatest history in terms of young players, but when we've seen him managing players like Ian Robin was quite young when he joined Chelsea. I think around the same age what Anthony Marshall is now. His man management is is good if you're if you're good enough. So and we've seen that with Mkhitaryan. We've seen him. We've seen that with some of the other players in the squad as well. Um, we, we may question it, but I think um, hopefully he's going to get a run in the side. And that—that's what I think he needs—a little bit of a run in the side, um, without that pressure of oh, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be dropped. And but for me, certainly in my mind, is the best uh, player on that left-hand side. And yes, we Mata can play there, Lingard can play there, Mikitarian can play there, but they're not—they're not natural left-sided players. And I think for him, cutting onto his right foot, yeah, he is that left-sided player that. I think he fits in quite nicely. And today we saw quite a lot of, now we talk about the style in terms of that interchange between the front sort of four players. When Zlatan's playing, you get less of that. they slightly more fixed in terms of their positioning. But certainly today you saw a bit more of that, but certainly a lot more of that in the second half. So yeah, and I think he's he is the best option on that left side, but we'll see um, if Jose sort of gives him that run in the side to really nail down that spot.
1: Yeah, and then... The other question I had for you is the Premier League standings, probably not where you expected to be when you brought in Jose Mourinho, currently in sixth, although only four points out of top four. But as kind of mentioned in the lead-in, you uh, continue on in two different cup competitions already. You're already through um, to the next round of the Europa League. Do you think that at some point those priorities may shift and then just kind of go all in on the cups, or do you think you'll continue to try to balance all of them?
2: Now I think um I think there will be an element of balance because the fact remains the the reward for the FA Cup even though it's a trophy um you're not in the Champions League next season and financially that is a big deal for United um and for every club so there should be a focus on the league but I don't think again I, I think that within the squad we have we've got the ability to sort of manage that that glut of games and again, we were talking. I think later on we're going to talk about transfers, and 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 maybe there might be something mm. happening. But um, but you know, I think it is Manchester United and any of the top clubs should be looking at each competition as we want to win this. Yes, you have your priorities, but you know, for example, you, know, you want the, the League Cup. Once you're at that sort of set quarterfinal, semi-final stage, you're not far away from a final. So, the, I I like the fact we focused on that, and we're now in the final. And I'm sure he'll put out a strong side to try and win it. You know, it's still a trophy and it's the first trophy of the season. It can give us a boost. Um, and, and off the back of the FA Cup win last year, you sort of start to build a bit of a winning mentality. In the league, we've lacked, in, you know, it's the draws that are killing us. Yes, we've lost we've lost three games. And I think only Tottenham have lost um, less than that. They've lost two. But we've drawn eight uh, this year in the league, which is not good enough and when you consider you know I'm not saying we should have won all of those games but there are games like last week against Burnley where we've battered sides and just not got that goal so I'm just um, hoping that we can balance it out but it will be difficult I think I saw today uh, if we were to make the final of the FA Cup and the final of the Europa League um, we would play 66 games in the season uh, in in the season And, and the treble winning squad played 63 so i in that context, then you start to think: Well, do we have that quality in depth? I think we have the numbers, potentially not in midfield, but do we have that quality? So maybe we will see a few more of the youngsters coming in as well, which is another thing we can talk about.
1: Fair enough. All right, uh, Jay. Uh, things not been going super great for Palace, and then Joshi drops that subtle FA Cup win uh it is a segment there uh but but more recently what has gone wrong at Palace i mean the last time we spoke you brought in Allardyce it looked like you were going to start making some transfer moves to really bolster Zaha was hitting form Benteke was scoring goals uh and now seemingly everything has
0: gone wrong yeah what has gone wrong <laughs> i think a lot of us are asking the same the same question i think it's a lot to do with the mindset that we had at the club with Pardew in charge and i think Allardyce is probably found out now that it's a bigger job than expected I think has come out and said similar I mean after an appalling what 12 months last year the whole of 2016 I mean it's no it's no secret that we were we had the worst form of anybody in, in the whole top four of it nice two league clubs um, and that's that's no mean feat at all we were 92nd in that table there, there, it, it, there's something deep set into the club in that we only won about five games last season in the Premier League amazingly we didn't go down which uh, and again you could say that we only fell into the bottom three last weekend when we lost to Everton which talk about the Everton game to be honest that was that was a really good sign of some improvement because Allardyce changed formation changed some of the players up brought in Geoffrey Schlup, and we we were we were so close to getting something out of that game and you know, things conspire to go against us later on in that game. But there's something very odd about the concentration levels at Palace where we seem to always concede right before half time or, and, or, it, it can be or or both, actually, because I think we did the same against United. Conceded right before half-time and conceded right at the end of the game as well. Um, yeah, you know, similar thing happened on Saturday against City. Right before half-time, we conceded in the FA Cup and again in about 93rd or so minutes. So, th- there's, there's something kind of deep ingrained into the club at the moment. And it, it, it's going to take a while for Adidas to kind of improve that and, and get under the skin of the players and kind of work out exactly what the problem is. But I think the biggest thing for me is that our previous managers, including Allardy, uh, sorry, including Pardew, um, the likes of Pulis and, and before him, we, we've had the same backroom staff for, for the majority of those times. Um, I'm not saying that they were the problem, but for me, a new managers coming in, I'd like to see some change in the backroom staff. And that hasn't happened for, for the past three managers Admittedly, uh, has been one or two changes or, or additions, I would say, rather than moving anybody on. But this time, Allardyce has cleared some of that out. He's brought in his own people. He's brought in Sammy Lee. Um, he's brought in his own um, uh, doctor to to review performance. He's brought in some other people, goalkeeping coach, different coaches. So there is change happening, and it's it's not going to be quick. Uh, you know, fans are probably foolish to think that it's going to be a quick change because you know under Pardew, it was it, I say it was exciting football, but it was getting to the point where you know we were were winning a few games, and then we were going to this long losing streak, and it it was just it it just couldn't keep happening. And unfortunately, a lot of fans, including myself, think it was probably a little bit later um, or not before time to get rid of Pardew and make that change. And I think Allardyce coming in is probably the only guy that can get us out of position we're currently in. It's not a long term appointment. I don't see that as being um, you know. really I think we're doing each other a favour Allardyce is used to this taking over a club in his position and, and doing something with a group of players which I would have to say it's probably the best group of players that he's taken on in, in his time in the game um, and obviously Allardyce as well has got something to prove after the debacle of his one game in charge of England which no doubt he's still kicking himself about but we'll talk about transfers a little bit later on as you mentioned um, but I think we're finding it difficult both on the pitch to change the mindset of players and also uh, the mindset of the club in, in trying to attract players to a team which are which are struggling, clearly struggling. So, But like I mentioned, yesterday was kind of, uh, is it a free hit? I mean, our, our run in the FA Cup last year was probably our saving grace a little bit. We got to the final, fantastic run in the, in, in the FA Cup, contrary to how we were doing in the league. We couldn't beat a Premier League team in the league, but we were beating Premier League teams in the FA Cup, obviously, apart from the final. Um, this year, in the position we are, you can't begrudge us, making the changes we did yesterday to play at home against Man City. Strong side. Um, they beat West Ham 5-9 in a previous round. We've rested a couple of players who are important to us. So the likes of Scott Dan, Wilf Zaha didn't play after coming back from African Nations Cup. Jason Punch didn't play. Uh, Benteke only played the first half. Um, so I think a lot of it pointed towards the fact that Allardyce has been at clubs where he's never really found cup competitions one to go for. And I think that's probably the right decision uh, for this weekend. It's a shame to um you know see us treat but uh, you know playing a team like city at home it's a difficult one isn't it to go to go for it or not i think we made the right decision considering the position we're in
1: speaking of that position you're in kind of just to give yeah. us a gauge as kind of outsiders here like one to ten mm. how was the fan base feeling about the possibility
0: of relegation is that a real concern at this point it's interesting because a lot of a lot of the fan base, I think, uh, are in the mindset that we are going to go down. Um, to me, I don't I don't think we are. I think Allardyce has enough time to sort things out. He's had the January transfer window, even though he said himself how difficult it's been to to recruit players. We've already brought in Jeffrey Schlapp and we've also uh, due to announce the signing of Van Arnhart as well, which are two um, key positions for us that you know that we've kind of been struggling with. So. Yeah, there is a mindset of the club among the fans. The fans are very disillusioned at the moment. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of fans kind of lost, or Alan Pardew lost the fans um, over a period of time. The majority of them, you know, he had to have a good start this season to have any kind of backing from the fans. And, you know, we lost our first two games and he was always going to play catch-up after that. So it was only a matter of time, I think, after after last season, really. Um, I I hate... I've always said before, I hate hearing fans saying we're too good to go down. And I'm not going to repeat that because it's foolish and it come back and bite me. But I think we've got a squad of players more than capable of finishing outside the bottom three this season. That's not saying we're too good to go down because we're in the bottom three. That's clearly not the case. We're too good to go down because we're, we are under serious threat of that. But there's a lot of football still to be played. Um, Dice, we haven't had the new manager... Um, you know, kick as as often happens with managers. But I kind of said to somebody the other day, I'd rather have that kick being gradual and last a bit longer than it is for the first few games of a new manager coming in. So um, yeah, there is a, there, there is kind of a mindset around the fans at the moment that, you know, yeah, we've got a good squad of players, like I mentioned, and, and we should stay up. But I think a lot of fans, being Palace fans and how we've yo yo between the divisions, we kind of a lot of Palace fans are seeing it as another season where actually we 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 are under real threat this season, and it's kind of a little bit different to previous seasons, which is a little bit odd.
1: For Tottenham, uh, our match against Wickham was a freaking adventure. Um, we uh, started off with a full eleven switch, which is always exciting. Uh, I did think we were going to see a little bit more of Vincent Janssen. I thought he'd be given the full match. But he was either not impressing in training, or uh, I was thinking before the match, maybe he was being protected by Pochettino. Because if he had gotten the full match and had not scored, that may have destroyed the last shred of confidence he had left, at least in a Spurs shirt. Um, He did come on at the half, and uh, it's pretty impressive that he at times looked more plodding uh, than who who is pretty sure the biggest footballer to have ever existed um but um he did do fairly well he managed to involve himself in a lot of play he earned and converted a penalty um i am still worried about what we've seen from him uh but he he was always supposed to be a long-term option and a lot of people weren't aware of that although i will say as somebody that did know that it was more of a long-term option than a short-term one even i am surprised that he's uh as close to the beginning of his development as he is. I thought he was at least a little bit further along than he is uh, at the moment. Um, but uh, he loves playing those one twos, which uh, led to the winning goal slash own goal from Sun slash whoever that was uh, on Wickham that kicked it into the net. Um, so I, I do think there's promise there, but it, it is a little concerning that we still haven't seen the best of him and that he wasn't given the start. I hope that we see him start some of these Europa League matches that are coming up. Um, I respect what Josh was saying about uh, how Manchester United are really going to try to contend on all fronts. I think that we're going to give the Europa League uh, B-team treatment in the round of 32, at least, and then kind of see where we are. Um, so we we may see a very similar team to the one that we just put out uh, this week against Wickham, although there were some pretty clear issues with it. Um, the the most notable one, really, is the lack of, of creativity in the eleven that we put out there. It was basically down to... Harry Winks and Son, but Son was the forward and Winks kind of had a a poor match, um, which was pretty disappointing. And and it was interesting because we've seen a lot of the players that we saw in this match uh, with the full strength 11 as substitutes, um, but seeing them all just kind of as this hodgepodge together uh, was a little disconcerting how poorly uh, they all linked up, Um, especially at the back. Cameron Carter Vickers and Kevin Vimmer. We're not exactly a resolute pairing. Uh, Obviously, easier to forgive uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers because of age and inexperience. I mean, Vimmer's not old by any stretch. But, I mean, Vimmer was crucial towards our title aspirations last season when Jan Vertonga went down. He stepped in and was terrific. Uh, And it just seems like every time he's faced with a split-second decision, he chooses the wrong thing. I don't know if just more playing time, more consistent playing time will fix that. But it's going to be very hard to rationalize putting him in the starting 11 um, in Premier League matches coming up. I, I think he could still get a run uh, in the FA Cup. I think that's largely what this team did was they went out, they won this match, ugly though it may have been. So now they get to probably play another match in this competition. They'll, like I said, they'll probably get a run in the Europa League. But we need to see a lot better from Kevin Vimmer, uh, especially as Vertonghen is out for a while. Although... Uh, Vertonghen has already posted pictures of himself uh, in the gym without any support on his legs so uh, he may just be recovering faster than we initially expected which would be great but we do still need Bimmer to step up uh, because there were a lot of rumors to Germany over this transfer window that his agent and he keep denying but I honestly think if we had a better option at left center back we may have let him leave it it could have been alone if we let him leave but uh, that's how far down the pecking order I think he's fallen and, and we really saw it with Eric Dyer dropping into center back when we made our double shift, uh, despite the fact that Pochettino hates playing uh, center backs on the wrong foot, which is what you do when you have both uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Eric Dyer on the right foot, but uh, one of them playing at left center back. Um, So hopefully that all resolves itself. I'm kind of getting sidetracked with individual issues. Uh, But on the whole, it was a very uh, individual-based match. We didn't have a lot of sweeping team moves. It seemed like everybody was playing... Whoever was marking them and not really playing as a unit, uh, the the substitutions obviously helped with that. Del Ali coming on obviously lit a spark uh, that had not been provided by Josh Onama, who I continue to like, but he showed a lot more last season than he has this season uh, in similar amounts of uh, you know displays of, of just brief outings, um, rarely getting full starts. But uh, anyway, uh, kind of getting sidetracked. Um, re- due respect to Wickham, I mean they were very. Physical, I guess, would be the nice way of saying that they had 23 fouls. I want to say, um, but they had their footballing moments as well. There, there were some lobbed balls that that really led to the first two goals, although there were Spurs issues uh, that allowed them to be such clear chances. Um, but the the third goal that they had, I thought, was great. They they filled the spot that Trippier had to vacate by injury. Uh, it was a great cross. It was a great header. Uh, and at that point, you know, you can see the goal in the 83rd, 84th minute, somewhere in there. You're you're pretty sure you're gonna lose when you're a goal and a man down. So regardless of all the performances and how disappointing a lot of it was, to come back from that and and get a win, not even a draw, but a full win, uh, was very pleasing. It was very <laughs> exciting, magic of the cup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Although perhaps not for the Wickham fans, um, but largely just just glad we got out of it. Uh, the Trippier injury really the only uh, real concern health wise. Uh, Got a knock to the hip that we think is minor, but basically, every time Pochettino said an injury has been minor, they've disappeared for months. So, hopefully, that's not the case here. Um, But, Son picking up the winning goal, kind of, uh, (laughs) with it technically being an own goal, uh, was good to see. He just kept pushing through the whole match. Uh, Was not his best day. Uh, His touch has been rapidly improved this season from last, but kind of was letting him down here. Uh, I'm just not sure we can fully trust him as a forward option, but does end up scoring, so uh, at least earns himself a stay of execution in that regard. All right, uh, now into the topic. We've kind of alluded to the FA Cup a lot in each of our segments. Um, And by the team selections that most of us put out, uh, and by most of us, not just the three of us, but the Premier League on the whole, it's clearly kind of become a second option for clubs. This is not where most people have put most of their eggs uh, do you think that as a fan, do you, do you wish it meant more? Do you wish that you took it more seriously? And is there something that could be done to make the FA Cup more attractive? I know, Josh, you mentioned um, that you don't get a Champions League spot for it. I don't think the FA can make that happen. But what kind of incentives could make teams really address this competition more seriously?
2: Um, <clears throat> I mean, first of all, talking about the team selections, I think it's the manager's prerogative to start to, to rotate his squad, especially after a pretty intense uh, winter program as you know it's we all know that the christmas program is pretty pretty intense and the the top sides should have quite big squads um and i think that the the teams that have suffered for it are the teams that maybe don't have the a plan b can't change their their style to accommodate uh, a different set of players and um okay you know united we did bring in quite a few players Um, Schweinsteiger started his first game for I think 380 odd days it's the first start in in over a year for him and he looked sluggish uh, especially alongside Fellaini Um, you know there's not a lot of mobility there not a lot of energy not a lot of pace I described it as a refrigerator and a tumble dryer in the middle of the midfield it was kind (laughs) of like at the beginning of the game today it was really slow ponderous you know really difficult to watch but once Schweinsteiger got into sort of his groove a little bit, started to find his 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 rhythm again, he was a lot better. Um again, we also brought Shaw back into the fold. He hasn't really featured recently. Um and, and he again also looked jittery, wasn't comfortable in possession, wasn't making those overlapping runs, which he's is sort of known for um so he, uh, he he also looked uncomfortable that but started to improve anthony marshall started up front for the first time in a long time and again he didn't look comfortable at all up top he was playing with his back to goal quite a bit and that's not his game so you know you can make these changes oh I, you know and just to mention sorry jose also started um timothy fossu on the yeah, right back yeah. who's one of our youth team players and and, a, and a, he just looked he he looked good generally speaking but he did look like a youth team player making the step up there was a few uh, you know rash not rash challenges but trying to there were better options you could have taken and didn't quite you know see it then and that'll come with with time Um, but with the combination of all of that uh, we we, the team as a whole was sluggish Um, but but um, Wigan and, and Wigan did threaten but they weren't necessarily good enough up top to punish us in that opening period and then we got the goal and things opened up and, and we settled down after halftime and really got into our groove. Marshall sort of played more wide left. Rooney went up top and it was a lot better uh, with Anthony Marshall, and Mkhitaryan really causing problems. With regards to the rotation side of things, you know we're able to do that. We have got a large squad in terms of numbers. Um, whether we've got that quality in depth is a different issue. Uh, but I still think the team we put out today was quite strong and a lot of them were fringe players, even at the back smalling hasn't been starting a first choice starter really and, and the, but the centre-back has been rotating so if you've got that squad and you're the type of manager that can manage that rotation and, and Fergie was Alex Ferguson was sort of a master at it and um, then there's no problem and, and the cup competitions are always going to get that lower priority to the league and even though we're not challenging for the league as I mentioned earlier the Champions League is a big issue so rotating that around I don't see it as an issue as long as you're able to accommodate the fact that these players aren't necessarily going to be playing to your ideal style um every single time certainly like Fellaini is not a like for like replacement for Carrick or Herrera or Pogba so you're going to have to change the way you play and in the end he got the goal so he's contributed so if you can do that then that's fine and that's what I would call say like a plan b um and clubs like, I think, I would, I mean, I'm a United fan, so I'm really massively biased on this one. But clubs like Liverpool, for example, I think they, first of all, probably don't have that depth in terms of numbers. And they don't have that quality either. And they don't have the players that are going to come in who are going to play the same style in the same, to the same effect um, as the first eleven So if you've got that situation, then you're, you shouldn't really be changing nine players and and then coming into the squad and that sort of Mm. in a in that type of situation you would say yeah that is a definite sign that the FA Cup is a diminished priority for Jurgen Klopp and and then they they paid the price for it um so you know I think each individual club has their own sort of outlook on what is important but I for one as a fan I mean we won it last year and I loved it And we hadn't won it in a long time. And as of how I would love us to retain it, especially now that we're in the League Cup final. It would be great to have like a bit of a, you know, silverware. Even if we don't win the League, you know, winning the League Cup, FA Cup and potentially the Europa League, that's a pretty damn successful season. And, um, you know, trophies are why we're in this. Cup finals are why we're, we're fans. We want to go to those. I've been to League Cup finals. And once you're there, everyone might say Mickey Mouse Cup and all that. But once you're there you're all over it, you're loving it, and and when you win, you win, you're, you've got a trophy, and then you crack on with the rest of the season, so I don't know why, I mean, I know why it's a diminished priority, because it's not the Champions League, it isn't sort of the prize at the end of it, and that would be the only thing that would elevate it to that, to its sort of previous status, um, and I, obviously, as you say, it probably won't happen, but there are lots of things going on, and I just think some clubs clearly put it as a a, a second priority, and and, and, you know, I use Liverpool as an example, but there are loads that have done that.
0: Yeah, a lot of good things said there, Josh, and I agree with uh, the majority, other than thanks for bringing up the FA Cup final last year. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's on a serious note, I think the biggest problem is with the FA Cup is that when this is the first season where the, the last place in the Premier League gets 100 million for finishing bottom of the table... When you compare that to the FA Cup, the winners, I think the I think the winning the winnings are about one point eight million. So there's there really is no comparison. I know it's not all about money, but you know the FA Cup is is being diminished. It's great to see that there's some magic, so called magic of the FA Cup still in there, Um, but. On the other side, that's tinged with a little bit of sadness, because these teams are not taking anything away from Sutton United or Lincoln for getting through to the fifth round, which is tremendous for them, absolutely brilliant and fair play to them. Teams that have played them have clearly underestimated them. Every team that they've played have played weakened sides, Uh, and we're talking, I mean, Newcastle and and, and Brighton, I mean, Newcastle lost to Oxford yesterday, they took a weakened side, I think they made nine changes, and... You can kind of understand why that is because the Championship is a busy division. There's, it's a hectic schedule uh, throughout. There's more games in the Championship than there are in the Premier League, obviously. It's a long old season for these teams. And they want to get. I mean, Newcastle want to get back into the Premier League because that's where the money is, obviously. And Brighton haven't been there before. And it, it, it's chasing that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, isn't it, those teams? To me, there's still no excuse for it because you should have a big enough squad of players to be able to. Yeah, you know, signs up oppositions in, in cup competitions. And I'm not sure why teams can't challenge on two fronts. You know, if you talk about Newcastle and Brighton trying to get a championship, then why, why can't they get further in the FA Cup? Um, particularly the way it's panning out this year. Teams in the Premier League, as a, on, on the flip side, teams that are struggling in the Premier League, again, you can understand why they would perhaps play a weakened side because they want to stay in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, again, Palace yesterday, I mentioned being drawn at home to Man City. Is that, is that a glory tie for Palace? Probably not. I think the, there's probably a decision there to think, actually, it's City at home. Um, well, I think we made seven changes for the game. We dropped into th- th- you know th- the bottom three last weekend. We've got bigger priorities than that. Um, I'm not saying that's right, um, but teams re- treating the FA Cup in this way is really diminishing it. What I fail to understand is teams that are clearly in, in mid-table positions doing similar thing. Very similar, Watford did today. You know, they had a game against Millwall. Why, they, you know, Watford got to the latter stages of the competition last year. I'm not sure why they wouldn't want that again. I know they got a different manager in charge and there's a different mindset, but I find that, you know, it, it it it's it's quite odd. You know, I know Watford could end up being dragged into the uh, into the melee towards the bottom of the table, but it, I think it's really sad. Um. I love the FA Cup as a competition. Last year was amazing for Palace. The final, I know we lost the final, but the whole, the whole tradition of the FA Cup final and the atmosphere was electric. Um, you know, going ahead with eight minutes to go, just that dream of thinking actually we could we could do this. I wouldn't. I say I was going to say I wouldn't change a thing. I would change a thing, so I'd make us win it. But you know, I, I, you can't do that. But it's, <laughs> you know, the, the whole, the whole love for the FA Cup. I mean, that just showed everything to us. Um, you know, I experienced it all that, all those years ago um, when we beat Liverpool in the semi-final and we got to play United again in the final and in the, in the replay. So it's been a long time coming to get to that point. And you, you just never know when it's going to come around again. Um, and I think us as fans grabbed it with both hands last year and really made, uh, made it something special, even if, we, you know, we couldn't win it. So um, it's just a shame that fans around the country will miss out on that and I feel sorry for the fans you know traveling up and down the country Newcastle had a long ways travel to Oxford yesterday um, nine changes made uh, and they go out to a team in a lower, lower, lower division for, to be fair Oxford are playing well recently and I think they've, they've won like 12 out of the last 15 so um, you yeah, know it, it was going it wasn't gonna be an easy game um, anyway but to make so many changes it's kind of disjoints the team even if they are on a good run so um, so yeah it's I find it a bit disappointing and you know kind of something needs to be done but I'm not quite quite sure what I mean Josh, you said a Champions League play at the end of it potentially but I don't think the FA Cup is is one for that and I think it kind of um, makes it relevant to how disillusioned some fans are about European competition you know why is there not a Cup Winners Cup competition anymore you know it's, it's you've got the Champions League and the Europa League they're, they're kind of two similar things in a way mm. why don't we have just a knockout tournament for the Cup Winners you know of each country you know like we used to but um, you know, it's, it's money again, isn't it, and greed. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to change.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting at Tottenham because uh, while, as I was in the intro to the topic, it seems like the club aren't really putting a priority on the Cups. And there was a lot of fan backlash uh, about the teams that we put out against Dortmund last season uh, in the Europa League uh, where we were pushing for the title. And we we fully decided on that. But as a fan base, especially of a club like Tottenham that largely have had more success in in cup competitions than in the league, we're starting to get antsy on the whole uh, just to get some trophies in the cabinet. It's been a while. I think 2009 was the last um, time that we really lifted a trophy. And that's a frustrating thing uh, as a fan base because uh, you really want to have proof of the improvement. I mean, we've had some great teams. In that time, I mean, you had the Vondervart and Bale and King and Modric teams, and then now we have this new thing with uh, all these young players that are really coming into form and into their primes together. But if there's nothing historically to point at, I mean, I don't want to say it it didn't happen. If a tree falls in a forest and you didn't get a trophy. Um, But uh, it it would be very frustrating. I, I think if we fail to even maybe get to a final this season Uh, or if we like if we finish third again or third or fourth and we don't have a cup we would obviously take it but I honestly would feel like the pressure would start to mount on Pochettino we love this team we love everyone in it we love the camaraderie that's there we love Pochettino and his approach to everything But there could be somewhat of of a reckoning at some point if there aren't any trophies brought into the club. So in that regard, I think that, weirdly, in the Premier League, Tottenham are one of the teams that should be taking a cup like this more seriously, even if there weren't more incentives. But, I mean, that's kind of where this question came from for me, because we clearly don't as a club. Despite the fact that the fans are starting to really cry out for some uh, performances in cups, we just continue to put them as secondary options. Uh, Even in the Champions League, there were matches where we weren't putting out our best 11, um, expecting that we would still be able to pull through And I think one of our largest sins uh, this season was underestimating Monaco, which even when we got the draw, I I had to try to remind people that this is not uh, Monaco of two years ago where they had all these aging stars that weren't really clicking together and didn't really put in the effort. They had Berbatov up front, um, noted for his work rate, Uh, Berbatov was. Um, But now we're seeing in League 1, like, Monaco are are absolutely on fire. And the fact that we didn't respect that, we didn't respect that cup, uh, was evidence kind of like Joshie was saying with Liverpool, by our absence in it. Um, we, We kind of got dealt what we deserved there for not taking that as seriously as we should. But anyway, how can you improve the FA Cup? I mean, Jay mentioned the money. The Premier League's pulling in tons of money. Surely they could put more money into the winnings for the FA Cup. At least make it worth last place in the Premier League. Yeah, but
2: that um, the, the Premier League and the FA are t- different entities, aren't they? So it's like the Premier League, like, no, this is our pot. You know, true. that's they're not going to share it with mm. the FA cup. They're different entities, different sponsors, different TV oh, different deals. TV deals. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, and that's and also the FA Cup doesn't have as many games, and they're not. You know, it's not as regular. So people aren't going to pay for it, but. You know, the other thing to say is, um, you know, winning things, especially for young players, is obviously a massive feeling. And it also becomes a habit. You know, when when United, we we were going through a bit of a dry spell. I mean, we, we are at the moment, but we won the FA Cup last year. But when we had Rooney and Ronaldo, they won the, I'm going to say the League Cup because I was there. And then they, they that, that sort of seemed to be a bit of a like, oh yeah, we can win stuff. And it's such an awesome feeling to win trophies. And, and you sort of, it's just that feeling of actually picking something up. That's a medal around my neck. Now I want more. And, you know, getting in the Champions League is one thing. It, yeah, it's fine. It's great. Oh, great. I'm going to play in the Champions League. But if you're then going to put out, weakened teams what's the point in being in the champions league do you see what yeah There's, it's just like a bit of a disconnect there and, and and for young players as well someone like I don't know Deli Ali, um uh Harry Kane uh you know the players that you guys have got at Tottenham for example play if you played an FA Cup final uh whoever it might be against maybe it's a tough game maybe it's not um whatever it is that medal around your neck at the end of it even if you lose actually because then you're like god I was so close I want that more you know, even if you lose, you've been in that final and it's a kick and it's sort of that you're so close. But if you win, it's like, oh, this is I want more of this. And, and I've seen it at United. And, and hopefully last season is a, is a sort of a precursor. And this season we're in the League Cup final and you've got all these young players coming through and being involved in a team that's picking up trophies regularly is just is huge for them. I think mentally you actually feel part of it. Like, yeah, we are good enough to do this and fine, we're six in the league but you know you can't do everything at once and if you're going to pick up trophy if you're not going to be able to win the league picking up cups is sort of important at the same time and uh, it, it, i just, i don't understand uh teams that that do it uh, who are like you know jay mentioned mid-table but even the top teams the squads are big enough to do it um and and manage it in a way where you can start progressing and you don't have to make 10 changes you can make three or four so United rested Pogba Zlatan Carrick you know three core players we rested a few others but those are the three that you would say I recently be automatic starters De Gea got rested as well he's a keeper but you can rest that type of core and then get your other players in and start to sort of hopefully you get the result but I I don't understand it. I've I was bemoaning the fact we hadn't won the FA Cup for so long and obviously Mm -hmm. last year I loved it and I've been to FA Cup finals. I've been to League Cup finals. There is no better match to be at. I haven't, unfortunately, been to a Champions League final, so I can't comment on that. Hmm. But, um, you know, it, a cup final is a one-off game with a medal at the end of it. What does, There's nothing better than that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love the point you made about what's the point of prioritizing the Champions League if when you get in it, you aren't going to focus on it. It reminds me of a pretty... Uh, long and vivacious rant that uh, Dan Watts from uh, formerly Baggies Facts had uh, at uh, a West Ham fan that was on because it was right after West Ham had gone out to that was a Romanian side or some random side in Europa League and then in the same show started talking about how their goal was to finish top six and Dan was like what's the point why is that (laughs) what you're going to strive for if then you're going to do this again and then Because he's a wizard or something. West Ham literally did it again the next year. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, I I completely agree with that point. I think it's a a very well-made one. Uh, Jay, you have any final thoughts before we move on?
0: I think we covered a lot in this. And and Josh is right in that it's two separate entities you have to cut in the Premier League. So... you know, th- th- there's just not the money in it. And while the TV companies will carry on picking games which will which will suit them, I, w- I would say one interesting point actually though. Be- but when Palace were drawn, um, when, when the fourth round draw was made, Palace were picked as one of the games to be on TV, the four o'clock kickoff, which was the United game as it turned out today. Whether it was going to be Bolton or Palace, that was unknown because we still had a replay to play. But whoever won would play Man City at home. Now, the game was offered as a, as a live game on four o'clock on a Sunday and Palace turned it down because we have a game on Tuesday, which is probably far more important away at Bournemouth on Tuesday night um, and a four o'clock game on a Sunday. Didn't really work out in the schedule, which has already been quite busy as it is. So um, it's quite interesting to, to hear. I mean, that's not been made public too much, but um, it's quite interesting to hear that clubs are even going down that route and saying, right, actually, no, we'll have a three o'clock kickoff and not be on TV um, in that round to, to actually focus on what is a big league game on Tuesday.
1: All right, and uh, now we will head into Player Watch where we are going to double dip a little bit here in Player Watch. But first, we're going to talk about the standard who impressed and who disappointed in your club's most recent match. If you don't want to complain about somebody, or in Jade's case, you might not want to praise anybody, uh, feel free to talk about somebody uh, from the opposition. We'll lead in with you, Joshi. Um, okay, so,
2: you know, I mentioned earlier we started off a bit slow. Uh, it was a really ponderous sort of display. And then, you know, we got the goal, and then after that, things sort of opened up. Wigan were forced to were drawn out, and in the second half, we really we played some good stuff. And overall, over the course of the game, actually, I, you know, I'll pick out Schweinsteiger. He, you know, he's not started in over a year. He came in, looked sluggish, but eventually did look like a, a really, really good player, which he obviously has been over over the course of his career. Um, Anthony Marshall again in that second half was superb, Mkhitaryan excellent as well. Um, if I had to pick out a single player, I'm ple- I'll pick out Marshall, not necessarily because he was our man of the match, but because I'm pleased for him in the sense that, you know, Jose had, there was that quote from Jose about if he's magnificent at the weekend, he'll start against Hull, you know, that kind of pressure. I don't think, you know, I, I'm someone who with certain players and obviously Jose knows the players better than I do, but um, I, you know, if you give them the freedom, um, you know, you're not, going to be dropped just because you make one mistake you're going to get a run of games this is your opportunity i think that might might work better with anthony marshall just looking at the sort of on the face of it so i'm pleased for him because he got he got two assists he was a threat um you know not i wouldn't say all game because obviously he, he didn't start off well but but once he moved out to that wide left position he was a threat he, he caused all sorts of problems um for the wigan defense um down that left hand side and, and like I say got to assist so I'll, I'll pick him out just because i'm pleased for him but he was excellent today as well uh disappointments um i think just generally the whole team were pretty poor in that first half an hour 40 minutes um and uh, i'd say rooney I, I, I mean i've never i've not been his biggest fan for the last few years and but, but I am pleased for him that he's picked up the record, you know, he, over the course of his career, he's, he's won lots and, and and um, obviously achieved a lot and, and now he's our record goal scorer, so I'm pleased for that and, and fair dues to him, but today I think he was off the pace with him um, Fellaini and Schweinsteiger in that sort of midfield three, things got slow there were lots of times when the likes of Shaw or Martial or Mkhitaryan would beat a player Make a pass and then go go for the return, or you know, go past the next guy. And, and the pass wouldn't come because, like Rooney and Fellaini and, and Schweinsteiger in the early stages, needed two, three, four touches just to get the ball under control. So I was a bit disappointed with Rooney, um, but that's only in the context of fact we won four nil and we played really well in that second half. So um, it's not actually that much of a criticism. It's just you know I had to pick someone.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, Jay. Yeah, for Palace, um, I'm going negative first, and my negative is Jordan Much, who got a start for Palace today. Uh, sorry, today, yesterday even. Um, uh, it, I find it bizarre that players that are on on the cusp of a team that don't get a lot of football aren't chomping at the bit to 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 show that they should be in a side. I find that really odd, and it just smacks. To me well, it just shows to me that it's a player that's just comfortable earning his money not really worried about playing football um, he's had a few chances here and there but I thought yesterday he would have stepped up and particularly in jeremy transfer window come to a close perhaps engineer himself and move back by uh, you know being in a shop window as it were but he started okay but kind of faded really quickly and was kind of anonymous the rest of the game which was a real shame and it's another one of the players who seems to be you know we've got a lot we've got quite a few Players like that are just on the fringes, but never really going to do anything for the first team, particularly in the Premier League. So you know those sorts of players we need to move on. But if they're not playing, and or if they are playing or getting chances like that and not doing very well, then it's going to be a job to sell them. It really is. So, um, but onto a positive, I would say the positive for us yesterday was Jeffrey Schlup, uh, our new signing uh, from for the January transfer window. Uh, really energetic against Everton last weekend showed us an awful lot of why we've why we bought him uh, and again yesterday he was very good on the left side um very sound defensively and his biggest asset is his pace he is really quick and i know that you know pace can sometimes uh, mask other areas which aren't so good but um you know pace you- Himself out of trouble quite quickly but he's very good in, in, in defensively and defensively as well so it looks to be while it's a fair bit of money for uh, a player still relatively young got got quite a bit of experience actually he's played for Ghana quite a few times um so I'm looking forward to seeing more of him at Palace so uh, so yeah he was a real plus point for us
1: uh was something not injured in that match
0: yeah what, what,
1: what's the he, what's, he, what is the prognosis there
0: well, some, it re, it's difficult to know what you read. Some, some places, you're, it's a hamstring injury. So, um, I believe it's uh, around. Somebody said about twelve weeks. I saw so in the media um, this morning. But on the flip side, uh, somebody mentioned that they spoke to him after the game yesterday, and he's 50 fifty fifty for Tuesday. So, <laughs> two very different, yeah, two very different views of how that injury is. So, we we will have to see on Tuesday, I guess. Fair
1: enough. Those are crazy extremes. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, for Tottenham, I mentioned it at the top of the show. I mean, Kevin Vimmer just is a shadow of where he was last season. And uh, I realize that players do not always have a direct and straight path of improvement, especially young players. But uh, I really hope that last season was not a blip, and that this this is kind of the outlier in his ongoing trend of improving as a player. Um, but yeah he was very disappointing he was caught out multiple times it was really his fault that Carter Vickers got stuck in the situation he did that ended up uh, uh, being the penalty that um, Wickham got and scored Uh, so yeah Vimmer very disappointing and and the issue is like I said the he may need more playing time to get back to that comfort level but the issue is if these are the kind of performances he gives when he's on the pitch how do you keep rationalizing putting him back out there four consecutive matches to get that playing time. I, I really don't know what the solution is and more power to Poch trying to figure out the best way to handle that situation. Uh for a player that impressed man, there wasn't a lot. Uh Eric Dyer, if we're talking about the team that was out there from minute one. Uh but Del Ali, obviously, if we're counting substitutes, as soon as he came on, the attack really started flowing a lot better. Again, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so is very impressive, but Eric Dyer did his job as well as he could got the armband again, which is, uh, very pleasing to see for a player that young to kind of be taking on a leadership role. And it isn't just the armband. Um, he's largely hailed as the kind of captain of the, the young players at the team when we do, um, not scrimmages, man, I'm so American sometimes. Um, but, <laughs> uh, uh, Dyer ends up being the captain of the young players. Uh, and I, I think that's that's a very positive way to start giving him some leadership experience that uh, hopefully Tottenham will use in the future and, you know, potentially for England further down the line. All right, the second part of Player Watch is going to be about transfers because the deadline day is Tuesday, which is during a match day, which is going to cause all kinds of ruckus for those of us that do this as a job. Uh, but do you guys think you'll see any moves made at your clubs before this, the uh, window slam shut?
2: Um. Well. Uh, I think, well, we've already sold um, Schneiderlin and Memphis. So those are the two sort of big outgoings. Uh, there's potential that um, Ashley Young might be on his way out. Jose Mourinho said that he's the only one that's a possibility, that has a possibility of leaving, and that's why he didn't feature today, um, although he would like to keep him. But it looks like he might be on his way out. I'm not sure who too actually. I haven't really seen too much in the press, maybe because he's not that uh, – attractive a player to be signing. I don't know. Um, and then there's Rooney. There's continued rumors about Rooney uh, leaving for China, but their deadline is February the 28th, I think, something like that, um, or, or whatever it is. And uh, so, yeah, there's that in terms of outgoings. In terms of incomings, there there was a lot of talk about centre-back, but the form of Rojo and Jones as backups, um, or actually they've been starting a lot of games, uh, has been... Excellent. And I think that our interest in Lindelof has cooled down and he's also just signed a new contract, which no doubt has some massive uh, um, release clause in it. So I don't think there'll be anything on that front. There's been some murmurings about Bakayoko, the the Monaco midfielder, and I think that might have that has more legs to it. But still, at this late stage in the window, it would be difficult to envisage that happening, especially, as you say, it being with midweek games coming um, but I did read that Jose Mourinho is apparently trying to convince um, the board to, to sort of shell out for a player and has earmarked central midfield as the main priority. And as I touched upon earlier, that is an area where I see we've got that little bit of weakness, not necessarily in the first 11, but in that depth, especially when you consider Schweinsteiger 30-whatever-he-is, 30 Carrick 35 or whatever. So that they're not going to be playing high energy week in week out Fellaini's a different sort of player he he has his attributes but I don't rate him He'll, he won't be a starter so if you see an injury or suspension or something like that to someone like Carrick Pogba Herrera then we've got sort of issues there so I, I'm glad that that's an area that he's earmarked I'm not sure that anything will happen but you, you never know and um, United certainly have the pockets so Short answer is no. I don't see anything happening in terms of incomings. Although it would be nice if we did bring in a midfielder.
1: Mm. All right, and I don't need to get too in depth on this, but uh, kind of on a one to ten, how real do you think the Griezmann rumours are for the summer? Uh, <laughs>
2: um, well, there's in recent. I mean, there's no smoke without fire, and. I don't have any inside info, so I'm only going on what, what you're reading in the papers. And there's a lot of things that sort of uh, contribute to this with uh, Diego Simeone leaving. They've got a stadium to pay for and all that kind of stuff. So the the money is required. They need it. And they've got some sort of uh, repayment deadline or something for the stadium. Um, so there is there are lots of reasons why it's a potential. But obviously, I, I can't say 10 out of 10, but I'll be delighted if we get him. I can't put a number on it, but it looks like it's, you know, if I say seven, people will be like, oh, how do you know? But it, based on what I'm reading, it seems like United, if he was to leave, which I think is quite likely, um, United would be up there with, with with whoever wants him, which I'm sure there'll be a lot of suitors for him. So then it'll just come down to money and where he wants to play, and I, and I believe he's quite good friends with Pogba, so that's quite nice.
1: Fair enough. Uh, the moral of the story... Don't ask one to ten questions on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> it's not, it's
2: not about transfers. Not about transfers. <laughs> Fair enough. If I, was, if I was his agent, then I could give you a quick straight answer. Oh, well, it's, it's don't and worry. Then... It's
1: not just you. I asked Jay one to ten if they were staying up, and he said maybe. So it's, <laughs> it's all <laughs> fine. Um, Jay, do you think we'll see any more moves from Crystal Palace aside from Van Anholt, which seems like it's all but done?
0: Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to get one or two more in. I know Allardyce came out yesterday and said he, he's, try, he's tried to sign 20 to 30 players during the transfer window. Not quite sure how many uh, how many we need, probably not that many. Um, but I think it says a lot about A, players don't fancy a relegation battle, um, even if they are not playing for their current clubs and happy to just sit on the bench or sidelines. Uh, fair enough. Don't really want players like that at a club if that's, if that's how they're happy uh, earning their money. Um but yeah, Van Harnholt is uh, waiting to be confirmed. I believe it's very close to be uh, signing off, which will probably happen tomorrow morning. We've already added Schlupp to the side. Um, th- I think the big news or big potential news is Andros Townsend going back to Newcastle. That has been spoken about an awful lot. Um, it's been a real disappointment at Palace since he joined in the summer. Uh, and he was, he obviously signed for Palace before we saw Yannick Balassi, So he wasn't um, a replacement as such, but he's failed to do... He's, I mean, the one thing... I Can remember him doing his scoring against Stoke in a 4 0 winner uh, very early on in the season. Um, That's about it. Can't really remember much else of him doing, and he's been benched by both Ice and Pardew. He's been subbed at half time by Pardew on a couple of occasions. It's just not worked out for whatever reason, whether he's just unhappy or uh, but he's still got picked for England, so you know we can rejoice Um, that. We've got Wilf Sahar coming back into the side, so after being uh, missing the last uh, last few games, which are kind of be like a new signing for us after the last year's results. Um, but I think with the Townsend deal, there's a view that we might take in Bemba, a central defender from Newcastle, which I know that Allardyce has tried to sign some defenders tried to replace our back line pretty much by Sandsville. I mean, I know fullbacks both fullbacks were a bit of a issue for us and have been for a while, uh particularly with perhaps Foire breaking his leg in a in a horrific road accident earlier on in the season. Um and and there's not really any chance of him coming back before the end of the season. So he was our left back. Uh Joel Ward right back. The problem is he hasn't really got any competition there. So you know you need competition in, in positions to make players, you know, be that that bit better you know to, to push them on and it's really not happening there so um, so yeah I, I think once Van Harnock's confirmed it, it's odd isn't it I think you mentioned earlier Kev that you know there's, there's games being played on Tuesday night which is, mm. <laughs> which is transfer deadline night which seems ridiculous crazy I mean I don't know why it wasn't you know tomorrow night really uh, yeah. as, a, as deadline day but anyway yeah I, I expect that Van there to be confirmed tomorrow and one or two more for sure um, Allardyce be working hard to get some more in
1: Yeah, uh, for Tottenham, uh, we're not going to do anything. Poch keeps saying we're not going to do anything. Papers keep keep saying we're going to be doing things, and we just uh, will not. I mean, uh, the 1% that Pochettino gave it uh, is kind of this weird thing that's been happening in statistics lately, where uh, 1% means that it's not certain, so it's really 50-50. That's super not how that works. Um, So anyway, uh, I don't think we'll be making any moves. Like I said, Vimmer may have been able to leave. um, But the fact we don't have any other cover really there. I know Ben Davis played left center back for Wales. If one more person tells me that, I will lose it. But um, we just can't let him go uh, at the moment. We have let some of the youth players go. And based on Pochettino's comments on why he likes to retain his young players, basically if they're sent out on loan, you can start to pencil them out of the club. Because his point is why would I let the young players go elsewhere to be coached by managers that he views as inferior to the ones at our own club uh, to play a different system than the one that we play at our own club? Um, but aside from that, we're really not going to be doing much. Uh, there are consistently winger rumors, which uh, kind of to Joshi's point, I think is a lot of uh, fire behind the smoke. I think that's a, a position we'll definitely address in the summer. Um, I, I just think Sissoko unsurprisingly was the wrong move we needed to address that position uh, and we did it poorly I love the look of Nkudu he did not have a great match uh, against Wickham uh, his touches were just abhorrent at times a lot of his crosses just went to feet instead of ever really getting off the ground but even more of a project than Jansen is um, but it is showing a lot more raw talent than NG ever did to be fair um, but I do think we'll go in for a, a true winger in the offseason season. Uh, If Palace somehow went down, I think Zaha would be the top of that list. Um, But we're also uh, still tracking Yarmolenko from years back. I know Pochettino loves Lorenzo Insigne, and I very much love watching him, and Napoli are terrific to watch right now. Uh, If you have any love for Serie A at all, you should watch yourself some Napoli games because they really do play some beautiful football. But (laughs) Lorenzo Insigne is a tiny, tiny man, and I'm not really sure that that would suit the Premier League uh, much, and if we did bring him in, he's left. He, he likes to play on the left, and we already have Sun over there, we brought in Nkuda to play over there, that's where Eriksen and Ali spill when we try to play both of them, so uh, I don't really see the point of that, but if I had to guess, we'll go for a winger in the summer. Uh, there was a rumor about Stefan DeVry, which I would absolutely love every part of, but then I was wondering where the heck he would play if we brought him in, but if Vimmer continues to disappoint, and if we're determined to play a back three... That is something that could be more of a goer than I initially thought. Uh, But Lazio will surely want a crap ton of money. Uh, But that's it for that. Uh, We were going to try to get to match previews, but it seems we are out of time. Uh, So if you guys would like to tell the folks where they could find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time.
2: Uh, Brilliant. Thanks uh, for having me on. Uh, My name is Joshy. I'm at Doc underscore Joshy on Twitter. Um, Give me a follow.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jay. I'm editor of The Eagles Beak. You can get us on Twitter at The Eagles Beak. And I'm also presenter of uh, the Meridian Sports Show, which you can get online and you can catch us on Twitter at the Meridian SS.
1: Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kavroff on Twitter. I also host the FPL Roundtable, which you can find on this very channel. Uh, just picked up a new gig, uh, going to be writing about fantasy Goal. for goalcom which is pretty exciting. So check that out. Um, Also, this goes up on AllInSportsTalk.com, so be sure to go uh, check them out. They also have an app in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Uh, I'm sure there's other stuff I'm forgetting. Oh, yeah, I write for Jay also at TheEaglesBeak.com, so be sure to check them out. I don't write for Joshy at all. I feel weirdly left out about that, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But um, thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.